church. Welcome back from Christmas. Perhaps it's still going on in your household like in mine. My name is Raymond Brown and I have the opportunity to share with you our offering talk this morning. I would like to share with you a scripture in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. The Apostle Paul thought it was a good thing to remind the Corinthians and us today. In verse 7 it says, But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you excel in this grace of giving. Excel in this grace of giving. And perhaps you might say, well, I'm excelling in all, all other areas. I'm not doing too well here. Here's something else I know for me that moves me even more. It says, I'm not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. 
See, it's Christmas, right? Well, be reminded that Jesus came. He left all his glory and came in his form so you can be rich. He became poor. And you might also say, well, I'm not rich. I know campus students, you think, I'm not rich. Well, you kind of are in a lot of ways. And really, this morning, I, I just want to urge you, as you give, remember that you can never outgive God. And that you might think you don't have a lot, but think about a year. It's coming to an end. There's a lot of blessings in your life. God is taking care of you. You called him and he answered. So this morning, as we continue in our worship, let's give. But give from your heart. And for some of us that have not even maybe made that decision on, on a weekly basis of what it is that we want to give, this might be a good time to think about it. It's the end of the year. I know in the world, a lot of people are trying to give their charity, you know, donations so they can get their tax, you know, benefits. Perhaps it doesn't work here, but just a reminder. Amen. Uh, let's bow our heads. Our God in heaven, we thank you. We're grateful because we know that uh, blessings abound in our life because of Christ. The God, uh, he made himself nothing so we can become great. Thank you for the forgiveness that we've received. Thank you, God, for the mercy that we enjoy on a daily basis. Thank you, God, because we know we are rich because of Christ. And as we give, we will give from our hearts. Uh, I God, I ask that you multiply it and you uh, do amazing things with this given that we can excel in it. We love you. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. And as the tree gets passed on, I'm going to, uh, we have one quick announcement. On January, Saturday the 11th, from 2 o'clock in the afternoon to 5 p.m., we're going to have a family group, um, or the family ministry is going to have a workshop. And it's going to be out at the uh, Veterans, again, Saturday the 11th, January. And it's called Love Works. It's going to be led by Steve Satan and Steve Marici. So please be planning. I'm not sure that there is uh, child care. Perhaps not. Please make arrangement for it. It's going to be awesome. Amen. All right, if you can stand on up. We're going to sing one more song before the sermon. Yeah, we 
You're above all names. You're the name of a feeling the ones that I have are uh, looking to leave my scalp. But anyway, uh, Merry Post-Christmas and Happy Almost New Year to you all. Do you guys uh, have a great holiday there? Good time over Christmas? Santa, take care of everybody? Amen. Well, he definitely took care of me. This is uh, one of the items that Santa hooked me up with uh, over the holidays there. Tannis, where's Tannis at? Is this okay? Okay, good. You know, I, I got to be careful bringing the uh, campus students up on stage because I was a little concerned this morning. Tannis brought her bodyguards with her. Both, both Rick and Jen, mom and dad, are here this morning. I don't know if that's because of, uh, I just wanted to make sure that, you know, somebody kind of keeps me under control up here or what. But, anyway, no, they're awesome friends. Uh, super grateful to have them as part of our ministry in South Bay. But more than anything, just the friendship that we have. Uh, Rick and I, it's probably a good thing we didn't know each other earlier on in life because I, I have a feeling we probably would have gotten a little bit of trouble together. Kind of happens a little bit now, but anyway. Well, as you can see, the title of the message this morning is, Where Are You Heading? Closing out 2013, right? Heading into 2014. How many of you excited about that? 
How many of you not so much? There's a few out there. I don't really know how I feel about it. And then, you know, it seems like every year goes by, you get towards the end of the year, and it's like, man, I can't wait till next year. I know it's going to be better. Um, I don't go there anymore because it invariably hasn't quite always worked out that way. So it's just like, you know, 2013's over, 2014's coming, amen. Gives me the opportunity to draw closer to God prayerfully, uh, continue to develop my relationship with Him and mature. But when it comes to uh, what goes on around me, what goes on around us, jury's out until we get there, right? So where are we heading? Well, what's the norm at this time of year? Transition. What, what do we, a lot of times, what do we think about as we head into the new year? Resolutions. That's another area I don't get super excited about anymore. Um, well, you know, I'm just going to pull up the list. There's a number of biggies. I got the top ten here. I know that one doesn't apply to too many of us as disciples, hopefully, prayerfully. You know, get in the habit of being fit, lose weight. I mean, that's always a biggie. Um, I'm a little bit ahead of the curve this year, and then for whatever reason, I tend to acquire over the course of a year about 20 pounds, and then come January, I figure i got to get disciplined and lose it again. This year, I'm only up 10 pounds. Now, the part of that that's concerning is this only goes back to when we took our vacation in Cancun, up to now, which between Cancun, Thanksgiving, Christmas, and all the chocolates I consume in between, uh, add a little bit to the midsection. You know, enjoy life more is number four. Quit drinking. Uh, organizing yourself. Learn something new. Get out of debt. Spend more time with family. Help people. So this is kind of the list when it comes to, as we close out to the year, these are some of the more popular ones. You may have your own list or maybe some things specifically that you're looking to go after, but thinking that through, now, right now, 2013, you are here, right? We got control over what goes on in the course of the day, but where are we going tomorrow? Where are we going next week? Where are we going next month? Where are we going to be 10 years from now? Where are we going to be for eternity? And I, I don't know about you, you know, you go to those malls and <laughs> they're, it's, it's interesting. Sometimes it's kind of hard finding yourself your way around and they don't always have directories where you need them, but you know, you always have that one, you kind of, you strain, it's like, okay, where the heck am I in the, in the grand scheme of things here, and there's usually a little star, or a little dot, you are here, which kind of gives you some ideas as to where you can go. Now, Buddha's got a rather interesting saying that I came across, that, that deals with direction, as you can see here, this is some of the stuff that we've got to contend with, future, past, present, this way, that way, and you know, obviously, wherever it is in the world that you might want to go at some point in time, but there are all these things pointing in different directions, grabbing our attention, trying to sway how we conduct ourselves in life. What Buddha has to say about it is this. There are only two mistakes one can make along the road to truth. Not going all the way and not starting. And, and I know for, for me as a Christian, the first one's the biggest one. Not going all the way. You know, I look at my last 23 years as a Christian, Satan has had the opportunity to get in there, which kind of skewed that end goal for me from time to time, and even had me doubting whether or not I was going to be able to overcome the issues in my life that could potentially take me out when I was drifting. You know, some of you that are visiting with us here this morning, maybe this is the first time out. One of your friends brought you out, and it's amazing. Church attendance, like gym attendance, tends to go up at the beginning of the year. Part of that, it's true. 
part of that is because of resolutions. You know, we look back at the past year and we can say to ourselves, you know, I'm not really happy about how things went. I'm not real happy about my dating relationship, or I'm not real happy about how things went in school, or I'm not real happy about my marriage, or I'm not real happy about where my kids are at. And we start to assess things, we start to think, well, what do I need to do to change? So if that's who you are this morning, I want to welcome you, and I want to challenge you to get started. Because there's only those two issues that you really have in life. Not completing, obviously, what our goal is, which is spending eternity with God in heaven, or just thinking you've always got tomorrow and never starting. You know, where are you right now? Where are you right now thinking through this? It can be confusing. You know, we really take time to take a look at things. Wow, my job, 60 hours a week, this, that, the other. Uh, I've got this begging for my attention. I've got this coming after me. The media is telling me I need to do this. My boss is telling me I need to do that. My teachers, my professors, this is their expectation. My spouse wants me to do this. My kids want me to do that. And we got all these pulls in different directions. And just really understanding that we've got to stay focused on what is important, which ultimately is God. You know, are we in a position where we're, we're not going to go all the way as Christians? Maybe there's something right now that's in there that you're feeling like you don't want to give up. But you know what the implications are, but you prefer where you're at right now, the feeling involved. The fact that it's easy, potentially. So you start looking back and you realize that there are implications for the way we conduct ourselves. So if you haven't started yet, today's the day. Maybe it's the time to get right today. If you did start, but maybe you're not happy about where you're at, it's time to re-engage. And this is what I love about God. God is there for us in whatever capacity we are in. And it's very obvious in this psalm, the kind of God we have. Psalm 21, 121, verse 5. Psalm 121, verse 5 reads, The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. You know, it's awesome to, for me to know that with all the issues in my life, all the variables that are going on, that God is constant. Nothing distracts Him. Nothing vies for His attention other than us. And I, I'm so grateful to know that he's constantly on the lookout. He's watching out for me. With all those variables, God is constant. You know, in this past year, I wanted to spend a little bit of time, and I took a personal inventory myself about how things went this last year. And um, this may be arrogant. I, I'm sure someone will come up to me and talk to me about it afterwards. But I gave myself an above average for the year. <laughs> and there's a number of areas that I rated myself in. One of them is continuing as a student, wanting to continually learn. And I gave myself an excellent. Uh, this year, I, I read just short of 50 books. Bible commentaries, Bible studies on various individuals, uh, all kinds of things. Books on marriage, books on parenting, psychology, books on conflict resolution, books on church, books on leadership. So I, I feel like, you know, it went up about 20 books over last year. Last year, I came in at around 30. And this is just, I want to be able to continue to mature and expand and learn new things. And then I take very seriously what God has entrusted me with. And I, I want to let you guys know, I mean, I've had a lot of people talk to me about having been appointed uh, regionally or with Jackie and myself. 
And, you know, in a lot of ways, Jackie and I had been working and serving in that capacity before that took place, but it was very, very sobering at Miracosta to come up on stage and to have had that formalized and look out at 1,200 people. Um, I, I'd say there was a little bit of anxiety there, knowing that I am responsible for this flock in this capacity. And I take very seriously what God says about the role that he has put me in. So I, with that, I, I want to continue to learn and grow and mature so that I can help as many people as possible, both within the church and outside of the church. My marriage. Gave myself an above average. <laughs> we obviously didn't talk about this beforehand. I figured I wasn't going to do a scale of 1 to 10 because I know that could give me a lot more trouble. I mean, you know, poor, good, you know, above average, excellent. You know, you, it's a little bit broader spectrum. And, you know, and I, I owe that to a lot of things. I owe it to direct discipling. I owe it to indirect discipling. There's been a lot of men and women in my life through the years that have really helped me in my relationship with Jacqueline, and I am incredibly grateful for that. I think I shared the last time I was up here, we got to Cancun, and the first thing out of her mouth was, you know, we need to sit down, I got some things I want to talk to you about. And it was, it was, uh, it was concerning on the front side, but the net result was awesome, and then it brought us closer, there was a degree of vulnerability and sharing some things we did not address for the 23 years that we've been Christians. Um, I'd like to say that we were in exactly the same place we were when we left. Um, there are some areas that I have uh, fallen short of. Uh, and there's some areas that I've done well in, uh, and we need to have another talk, right? <laughs> you know, and, I, and I've got a list of things that I'm praying about that I want to go after to continue to grow and mature in the relationship with this incredible woman that God has blessed me with. Uh, this past year, this area I'm very, very pleased with, and uh, you know, I'm, I'll wait for Jackie's response on this one because, again, we didn't talk. But I, I feel like I did excellent with our kids this past year. I, I wish I could say that about every year. But it hasn't been the case. And again, because of discipling, because of men in my life that have helped me with my attitudes and different things that I feel, and I, I'm very outspoken. I'm, you know, my, my heart's on my sleeve, and sometimes it's not a good thing. But, you know, I, I really owe a lot to the Johnsons, uh, Calvin and Elaine, the Kramers, Henry and Lana, the Pelizzeris, Tony Kettering, and I have had some great talks about some of the different things that I've struggled with with Stephen. As uh, some of you know, maybe not all of you, our son was restored in uh, the City of Angels, which is Kip McKean's church here in Los Angeles, and that created a few issues for me on the front side. But I, I'm very grateful that he's doing well spiritually. I actually had the opportunity to meet uh, the gentleman who's discipling him now, who I'm very pleased with, a guy by the name of Oleg, who's from uh, Moscow. And I really am appreciative of the love that he has for my son. Uh, it was very, very clear, the prayers that he and his wife have prayed for my son, and it was awesome to hear that when they came to L.A., Stephen was the first person that reached out to them, which I think in a lot of ways is what was the cement in that relationship for them. Um, discipleship, above average, work in progress. You know, I'm, I'm very, very grateful for all the men and women, again, that uh, pull me aside and challenge me on certain areas of my character that are non-Christ-like. Uh, worship of God this year, above average, up from last year. I felt that it was just very average. Uh, I was kind of in a rut. In 2012, uh, just really didn't feel connected, wasn't really intimate with God, but that's really changed up in a great way this year, and I'm, I'm grateful for that. Um, 
So how do I feel about all this? I'm happy about the progress, but I'm not there yet. And this is the thing I love about God. When I'm humble enough to honor, obey, and serve God, it's amazing how awesome my life can be. You know, to be able to serve full time. Going back three years ago, I never ever thought that I would even want to be in this position again based on some various things that we had gone through through the years. And I'm so grateful that there were people down here that thought that I might be a fit, and through the interviewing process, I ended up being able to work here full-time in the ministry again. And just being able to dedicate my time 100% to people and to God is, is such an incredible gift, and I'm grateful for that. You know, where are you heading? Where am I heading? I think ultimately it starts with the people God has put in our lives. You know, I think back about Bruce and Ortiz who reached out to us. Uh, Jess and Cindy Asper, Jess, who was the first person who, uh, who was the individual that came into my dealership with the pretense of buying a car and uh, kind of had an impromptu interview with me. And then a, a week later, Jackie and I were full-time in the ministry. Um, some of my relationships in South Bay, Andre Costa, a brother who I really appreciate his friendship and love for God's creation, which some of my best times in prayer when I go out with him and I go down to the ocean. And some of it is just sitting there and looking what God has done for us. Uh, Ken Chow, another incredible brother that's been such an encouragement to me. Calvin Johnson, Andy Wingy, here in this ministry, Mark Shump, uh, Alan. Super love the relationship I've developed with Alan. And guys, if you haven't been to the Metro in Culver City for breakfast, you're really missing out on the most blow-away pancakes on the face of the planet. <laughs> Thanks, Alan. <laughs> uh, Chuck Bray, Ray Brown, Keith Rose. I mean, there's so many guys here that... I'm grateful to have had the opportunity here to, in some instances, redevelop some relationships, in other areas, develop new relationships. Uh, you know, grateful for Matt Evans up here from our Pepperdine ministry who headed things up for us today. Just thought he did a phenomenal job. But all of this, all of these people helped me get the right perspective as to how awesome heaven's going to be. Being passionate towards people is something I love. I think in 2014, the thing that I want to go after more is being more passionate in my love for God. You know, in Philippians 2, verse 1, gives us an idea of the degree of passion that God has towards us. It says, if there is any encouragement, verse 1, in Christ, if any consolation of love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by thinking the same way, having the same love, sharing the same feelings, focusing on one goal. Do nothing out of rivalry or conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than yourselves. Everyone. Everyone should look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. Make your attitude that of Christ Jesus, who existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be used for his own advantage. And I love Holman's translation of this passage here. This is exactly what Jesus could have done. God in the flesh. But he put all of that off. It says, instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a slave, taking on the likeness of men. And when he had come as a man in his external form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. 
For this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name. So that the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Thinking about Jesus Christ, knowing that he's God in the flesh, in this particular passage, the thing that stood out to me the most was verse 7. In verse 7, it says that he emptied himself by assuming the form of a slave. In the Greek, it's morphendulo, which basically, morphin, metamorphosis, transformation, dulo is slave. He morphed, he transformed, he went from being God to a slave. That is so amazing to me, knowing what he had, that he would give all that up and basically take on the lowest life form in the human race, a slave. And you know, when I looked at Jesus, I'm absolutely blown away by his attributes. Jesus modeled what we should look like. He was patient. He was kind. He was selfless. He was humble. He was forgiving. He was righteous. He was truthful. He was always hopeful, good, faithful, gentle, joyful, compassionate. Self-controlled, merciful, and tender-hearted. That's amazing. As a slave, those were his attributes. You know, I, I took those from three passages that I try to go to from time to time, just to kind of get an assessment as to how I'm doing. And uh, I'd like to say that it was above average in comparing to them, that I fall much further short of that. 1 Corinthians 12, verses 4 through 8, we have the definition of love. That's where some of these descriptions came from. Colossians 3, 12 and following, again, conduct, passion, compassion, forgiveness. And then ultimately, Galatians 5, and that's something we're all very familiar with. Galatians 5, 19, we all pretty much have that one down. I'm going to go ahead and go through it here for a minute. I think really understanding that we are heading one of two directions. Now, any of you familiar, without looking at Galatians 5, as to what follows in verse 22? Okay. Do we spend a whole lot of time on that? I think we spend a lot more time on the sin than we do the fruits of the Spirit. And I think if we're really wanting to grow and mature in 2014, this is something we really need to be looking to. Because these are the attributes of Christ. These are the things that are going to make us more Christ-like. These are the things that are going to enable us to have an impact. These are the things that will help us glorify God in our daily walk. Galatians 5, verse 19 reads, The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual morality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Where are we heading? Verse 22, I think, gives us some incredible insight as to where we need to go. The fruit of the Spirit is love. First and foremost, the fruit of the Spirit is love. Joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, Faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. 
this incredible? When people look at you, when people look at me, aren't these the things that we want people to see? But thinking back over 2013, how evident were these things? On the surface, where people can see them. Continues, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Have we? Well, we did when we entered the waters of baptism. But it needs to be something that we continue to aggressively go after on a daily basis. So since we live by the Spirit, where are we going? Where are we heading? Let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Where are we heading? We need to be heading in the same direction as the Spirit. We need to keep in step with the Spirit. And in order to do that, we need to know what the Spirit is represented by. Whether it's 1 Corinthians 12, whether it's Colossians 3, whether it's Galatians 5, whatever area in our lives are lacking, we can look to what God lays out. We've got the Spirit living within us. What that tells me is it's readily accessible. If that's the mind and the heart that I have, if I'm willing to continue to look to the example that Jesus Christ has established for me, I'm going to want to strive to be like Christ. See, the end of the year is generally the time that, thinking through this, you know, most companies, most businesses take on the task of taking a physical inventory. A any of you dealing with that right now? Or dealt with it? You're lucky. <laughs> Years ago, my folks had a trophy business, and I used to hate November and December. There are more components than you would ever begin to imagine in a million years. Whatever the athletic endeavor is, there's a figure for it. Whatever the team color is, there's a color for it. Whether it's aluminum stock, whether it's the tubes for the columns, whether it's the findings, the lids, the nuts, the connectors, the rods. I mean, it was crazy. The thousands upon thousands of parts. And I hated it. But you know what? It was necessary. Inventory allowed us to determine what we had, what we were lacking, what, we had, what we'd accomplished that given year, what we'd failed to do, and the areas that needed attention for the coming year. And if this is what goes on in the business world, doesn't it make sense that it's time for us to take a personal inventory of who we are before God? And you know, and, and, and here's the thing. Some of you might be a little overwhelmed by the concept, but that's okay. Because by looking, it means there's acknowledgement. With an acknowledgement, we know that we've got something we can change. With God, we know we can change it. So the end of the year is an opportune time to take a spiritual inventory, a self-examination. It's even something that's prescribed in the Word of God. In the first part of 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5, Paul tells us, Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. The only way we're going to fail the test is if we don't stay in step with the Spirit. If we're not open with each other, if we're not getting help, if we're not involved in discipling relationships, then when we're drifting can point us back in the right direction. So with that, I've got a few practicals here this morning. Number one, you need to take an inventory of our prayer life. 
You know, much can be learned about our level of spirituality by examining our level of time with God, our prayer life. How much prayer, how much praying did you do the last year? How did we do with prayer when it comes to in sickness and in health? 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 17 calls us to pray without ceasing. You know, this is an area with my wife that I, I can't give her enough accolades. She is a prayer warrior. She is amazing with her focus, her determination, her persistence, the way that she will just wrestle God down in prayer. And there's a couple of things that really stand out for me. In this next slide, you'll see them. Jacqueline prayed for her mom 1,373 days for her to become a disciple. Needless to say, she did. And that is awesome. My mother-in-law is the most phenomenal mother-in-law on the face of the planet. You can't convince me otherwise. You may think you got a good one. Mine's the best. She is an incredible woman, but her becoming a disciple, it's amazing the impact that she was able to have. Most of us have moms and dads. And you know, we're, we're a multicultural church. There's a lot of different races involved. I mean, there's a wide mix and array of people. And you know, we, we tend to relate a little bit better to our own. It's just human nature. It's kind of who we are. I know the campus like seeing campus students on stage. Singles like seeing singles on stage. Marys like seeing Marys on stage. We, we try to mix it on up. Same thing when it comes to our ethnicity. How about age? And this is where my mother-in-law has been phenomenal. She became a Christian in her 70s, late 60s. Late 60s, she's 82, 3, 83 years old. Still leads a Bible talk. When we were in the East Region, she led the most fruitful Bible talk in the church. And you know what she was doing? Converting your moms, your aunts. I mean, it was just amazing the degree of interaction and love this woman had for God and how evident it was for the other people God put in her life. The other one up here, my son Stephen. My wife paid, pl prayed 8,395 days for Stephen to find a woman that he would be unified with him, that would be unified with him in striving as a couple to get to heaven. And the young lady up there, Aaron Henry, he proposed to Christmas Day, and she is the most phenomenal young Christian I, I, I've, I've come across in a long time. Incredible love for God. But as a dad, one of the things I really appreciate about her is the love and respect she has for my son. And it's just so incredible. I'm so excited about this new chapter in her life. I've been waiting for grandkids for a while. I know that Jackie's way younger than me. She's got time. She'll be fired up to know I talked to my son about it. They got a two-year plan. After they get married, he wants a couple years to get to know her, hang out, have a good time before they have the responsibility of kids. So sometime in 2017, 2018, I'm going to be a grandpa. I'm excited about that. Now we just need to keep praying for our daughter, Shailene. But, uh, you know, God is good. And it's just amazing to see how God works with prayer, but really asking ourselves as we head into 2014, is there room for improvement? Can we get a little bit more aggressive with God in this area? I think one of the other things that we need to make sure that we're careful with is, number two, we need to take an inventory of our Bible study, our habits when it comes to God's Word. Our time with God. How much time do we spend with God this past year? You know, you can kind of do the math. You miss a day a week. 
I mean, a day, yeah, a day a week, what do you got for the year? 52 days really without much of a relationship with God. A couple days a week, where does that take you out to? 104? 104 days without really being in there on an intimate level with God. And I'm not going to take it out exponentially, but I know in our midst, I've been there in the past, we've got people that have gone three, four, five, six, maybe a whole week without even cracking the Bible. Yeah, we have expectations for our lives. We have expectations for our marriages. We have expectations for relationships. We have expectations for how we should do in school. We have all these expectations, but are we in step with the Spirit? Have we really invited God in? Are we going to God for direction in those areas? 2 Timothy 2.15 reads, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. If you're not in it, how can you handle it correctly? Number three. Number three. I don't know if I turn this off or what, but uh, next slide. We need to take inventory of our place in our church. In 2013, did we help or hurt the work of the Lord? Did we get on board in, what, in relationship to what God calls us to and work to accomplish what God wants for his church? Or do we just sit on the sideline? Are we using our talent more for the world or for the kingdom? You know, Matthew 6, 33 is real clear. Seek the kingdom first. I think just even when it comes to volunteering, I'm really grateful to see what's taking place here recently with our kids' kingdom. It's awesome the way that has come together, the men and women that have volunteered to help in that capacity. But I put before you this morning, if you do not have a role in God's church, if you do not use the talents that God has blessed you with, you will not make it. You will not be here for the long haul. We need to be vested in God's kingdom. I know myself, if I was doing nothing, if I was just sitting on the sidelines, there's absolutely no way I'd make it to heaven just because of my sinful nature. It would mean I would pull back relationally from people. I wouldn't be involved in discipling relationships. I wouldn't let anybody in, which means I'd be in a state of drift, which would ultimately take me to hell. And I don't think I'm unique. I really don't think I'm unique in this area. Remembering, each member is a vital part of the body. And there may have been instances where maybe you weren't made to feel that way. But you know what? I wouldn't be concerned with how other people feel about what you're doing. I would do whatever God calls me to do based on, without any concern really for what's going on elsewhere. If biblically it's correct and it's a talent that I can use for God, I'm going to do it. Whether someone asks me or not. And I think if we were all that way, can you begin to even begin to imagine what this place would look like to the non-church as they come through the doors? You know, 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 27 kind of breaks it all down. I mean, it works through the parts of the body. There's not one part that's any more valuable than the next. All parts are valuable. If there's a part of the body that isn't engaged physically, this body, what happens? Things break down. And then the whole body starts to have an issue. I spent a little bit of time in the emergency room here earlier in the week, which I'm not going to get into the details now. I'm just glad that I got a clean bill of health. God was good. 
But just as we close out here, just a couple passages I want us to look at. Isaiah 44, verse 22. It reads, I have swept away your offenses like a cloud, your sins like the morning mist. Return to me, for I have redeemed you. Sing for joy, O heavens, for the Lord has done this. Shout aloud, O earth beneath. Burst into song, you mountains, you forests and all your trees, for the Lord has redeemed. This passage gives us foresight into what God has done for us through Jesus Christ. Having all of our offenses washed away, swept away. And then with that, just his calling to return to him. You know, as you sit here this morning, where, you're he- where are you heading? I think really understanding there's one of two places that we can ultimately end up going. We're going to close with these two verses. 2 Peter 2, verse 22. It reads, one of them, the Proverbs are true. A dog returns to its vomit, and a sow that is washed goes back to her wallowing in the mud. If we're not in step with the Spirit, and we lose sight of what God has called us to, it's very easy for us to revert back to our sinful nature. You know, you, I've shared it with you. I crashed and burned in Orange County. It was not pretty. I went back to the muck. I went back to the mess. Because my focus wasn't where it needed to be. But on the other side of the equation, Peter talks about it in 1 Peter 2, verse 22. He says... About, you know, when we are really focused on Jesus and take a look at what Jesus endured for us in order for us to get right with God, I think it makes this very encouraging, at least it does for me. Verse 25, it says, For you were like sheep going astray, but now you've returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your soul. We take the assessment, if we're not going in the right direction, it gives us the ability to get back on track and move in the right direction. You know, we need to check out our GPS system make sure about where we are heading. Now, any of you have experiences with GPSs that can be a little bit off from time to time? I I had this one, I got so sick of hearing recalculating, it drove me absolutely bonkers. So this next video is something I can relate to, maybe you can or can't, but uh, there's a correlation here that I think is uh, interesting. Let's take a look at this video. I'm your GPS. Turn right up ahead. You never update me, so now I just have to wing it. I meant turn left up ahead. Recalculating. Turn right now! (laughs) I love the Mayhem commercials. But you know what? There's a reality behind this. That guy's sitting in the passenger seat. You know, Mr. Mayhem GPS. Who is that in our lives? That is Satan. He's constantly trying to redirect us. Well, I'm going to go over there. Now, turn right, recalculating. Now, turn left. Now, go over there. See, he doesn't want us focused on God. He doesn't want us looking in the right direction. He doesn't want us going to the scriptures. He doesn't want us praying to God. So he's always going to be on the lookout for something to distract you. For something to pull you away from the proper focus. For something to discount how awesome our God is and that we have been redeemed. We need to not listen to that voice. What we do need to listen to is the voice. 
John 1 is very clear. God came in the flesh. The flesh is the word. Jesus Christ is all the representation we need of God. It's the only voice that we need to listen to in this life to get to heaven and to bring as many people along with us. We apply the practicals that I've talked about this morning. We will know where we're heading in 2014. We'll be singing and rejoicing like what we saw in that passage in Isaiah rather than wallowing in the muck like we saw in 2 Peter. I think this morning as you sit here, we, we need to realize something. The choice is mine. The choice is yours. Let's take the time over the next few days to assess last year so that we can glorify God in all we do in 2014 and return to the shepherd and overseer of our souls so we can answer with confidence when the question's asked, where are you heading? Go ahead and bow our heads and pray for communion. Father God, I, I come before you this morning as a humble servant. I'm so grateful for the God that you are, the place that you've given me in life, and the opportunities that you put before me, and the blessings that you continue to pour out for me. Father, I never want to take advantage of that, and I, I pray that each of us here will take a moment to really focus on what a loving, giving, passionate God that you are. That you would be willing to come down in the flesh, not, not as a king, but as a slave. And that with that, you were able to demonstrate for us the way that we really need to live our lives. If we want to live life to the full, live a life of purpose, live a life of impact, and give others the same opportunity that you've given so freely to us. Father, thank you for the gift of salvation. Thank you so much for Jesus Christ. Thank you for the imagery that we have on the cross to know the extent, the extreme that you were willing to go to so that we would, you would catch our attention. We'd be able to see through your word what a loving God that you are. Thank you that you would think of us. Thank you that after creating us, you didn't discard us because of the sin that is in our lives but you would give us an opportunity to see it for what it really is and to see through Christ the kind of life we can truly live. Father, thank you again so much for the blood and the body of Jesus and the ability that has given us to be ushered into a relationship with you. I pray this in your son's precious name. Amen.